Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. Oh, I'm your Malik Four. We are continuing our read through of Infinity Gauntlet with issue number five. Yeah, dude, great writing by Jim Starlin. Pure joy. Like he's becoming, I think I've mentioned it too before. I'm going to repeat myself. He's becoming one of my favorite writers, comic book writers of all time. Like this cosmic stuff is like, I need to read more of him. In fact, I found, uh, I'd gotten this um, this comic called The Price. I just found it this morning, which there's a character on, on the cover that looks so much like uh, Thanos, which I think is like an early design of Thanos that he brought in from his own days, I guess. Price is the Dreadstar annual, right? Is it? Oh, okay. I didn't even know. I haven't even read it. I just yeah. found it because the cover looked cool. It's a story that comes in between Metamorphosis Odyssey and Dreadstar. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're going to love it. I've never read Dreadstar, so hopefully I will be able to understand it. It's all art by Starlin, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, I also, before we start, can I talk about how, like, I feel like Thanos has really been uh, transfused or put into the zeitgeist of the world now? Like wherever I go, I hear, I see Thanos. So yeah. uh, if I mention it, like I was, I, I listened to this podcast, the uh, JJ Reddick podcast, the basketball NBA related. And he always references Thanos. Like, oh my God, LeBron James was like Thanos the other day. And like, he destroyed <laughs> it. And then like, um, this was the weirdest thing. This is the weird thing. I was listening to a sports um uh, I was listening to, a, again, like a Warriors basketball, like NBA basketball trading thing. And I kid you not, the sports reporter said, like, they're all like, oh, we're going to need to trade draft picks and stuff. And he's all like, well, if you want to get Kevin Durant, you got to go to the multiverse and use Thanos as infinity gems <laughs> in order to get draft picks from another dimension just to be able to make up how much you have to pay for Durant. It's like, oh my God. People oh, wow. No, but it's like, it's part of people's lexicon now. These are literally the people who would have been picking on us in high school yeah. for doing this stuff. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. But, but I think they're actually the writer probably be. Yeah. <laughs> the writer. But like the, the jock, jocks or the, the athlete who's referencing him and it's like the multiverse and like, infinity gems and the gauntlet like yeah incredible but it's everywhere in society now i mean uh, infinity war and and endgame made like billions of dollars worldwide yeah i'm always amazed when i when you go to some ordinary event we're going to go to a, a little local thing today and like i'm going to count how many people have some sort of marvel shirt on because it's going to mm. be like a third of all the people or something i swear can I, I'll say another thing, another, the worldwide, you just talked about worldwide. So I work for a company that's Brazilian, which actually in Brazil, people read comic books. It's like adults read comics, so it's not a big thing, but like, I'm trying to learn Brazilian. So I've been watching some, uh, I'm trying to learn Portuguese. So I've been watching some 
uh, comedy, like sketch comedy in Brazil. It's like a really like avant-garde new type of sketch comedy and they have English subtitles. And one of the jokes was the guy was wearing a Marvel shirt just because he wants to seem cool with the young kids. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like he doesn't like a girl like was making fun of him. He's like, oh yeah, you're you're an old guy trying to wear like Marvel comics shirt so that the young people can think you're cool. That's like a cool thing in the world to to yeah, be able a, to yeah associate with comic books to wear your Captain America shirt or yeah. to reference Chris Hemsworth or yeah. um, you know Rocket or Groot. Yeah. It's just, it's just so, it's the, the popular thing now. Although I wonder if we're starting, we're at the very beginning of a backlash against it. Because like the reviews for like the phase four movies have been pretty negative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wonder if people are going to, starting to say, yeah, enough of this stuff. I need to, it needs to be other stuff in our society. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll just be part of like people's, but it's still part of the lexicon, right? It's Maybe part like Coca Cola like, or soda and stuff like that, you know. Do you feel like Chris Pine is the new uh, Michael Jackson or something? Maybe not the best analogy, but you know, like these actors, are like the new pop stars. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's interesting is I think a lot of actors feel like they have to be in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie in order to be able to continue their options in order to do like you know if they want to do like artistic films and things like you have to be in it you have to be in it if you're an actor whether you like it or not you have to be in one of these movies well you want to be in one of these movies too if you're young it's like this annuity you've created for yourself because you can go to conventions forever yeah and you're also kind of part of the cultural conversation and it's weird because it allows you to kind of age too like michael keaton's like the perfect example of that you know, he's able to actually be his age. It would have been probably a lot harder for him to get parts, but because he played Vulture and he was in the public mind, uh, I bet it opens a bunch of doors for him. Do you mean because of the special effects or the characters? I think him still be still appearing in really popular movies. Oh, got it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, I wonder, like, how many people would watch, like, Andrew Garfield did the movie last year about Tammy Faye Baker. And he also was in the Spider-Man movie, right? And I wonder how many people watched the Tammy Faye movie because, uh, you know, he was Spider-Man and we love Spider-Man. So we're just going to watch this. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, yeah. Because it's a way of like broadening your brand, so to speak. I mean, that's $4 billion that Marvel paid. I mean, uh, Disney paid Marvel. It was nothing. I bet you they've made half a trillion dollars off of these movies. Probably oh, more. Yeah, with residual sales and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're using it to drive subscriptions to Disney Plus and they're selling all this merch we were just talking about. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Oof. And all based all on the started, back of people like Jim Starlin. Started here. Jim Starlin, I don't know how much you got for this. It wasn't enough. Your book has a silver silver embossed logo. I love it. You know, yeah. I collect that junk. I've got hundreds of silver or oh, you know, cool. those 90s kind of embossed I, logo books around. I think the cover is by Jim Starlin too. It's, oh, it's not by Perez? No, it looks like Starlin. It is, yeah. I think it's like wonky Starlin, which I love. Yeah, wonky, because he's not the best artist. No, but I love it. It's so beautiful now. 
I know, right? Yeah, before I didn't like it, but now it's like, I want wonky, ugly Starlin drawings. <laughs> I read this big takedown of him in the comics journal years ago, and it was about how basically Starlin's, all his images are straight on. He never varies the camera angles at all. He's a very conservative artist from that standpoint. And, you know, I thought that was a flaw, but now I think it's kind of just fun. It's so cool. It's like, you know, sometimes your flaws are your assets, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder how much that I wonder how much of Infinity Gauntlet he drew, like in pencil for Ron Lim, because like Lim's art kind of looks like Starlin's art in terms of layout and design. Well, Lim's wonky too. <laughs> Lim is wonky too. Did you miss George Perez this issue? No, not really. No, I was surprised. I didn't. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but I I thought I love the story so much and what was going again like like turning up the level of action. Now, like, he fought, like, you know, superheroes, which are kind of gods. And then he goes, like, real, like, what's, what's bigger than a god? Like, Celestial. Celestial's freaking throwing the planets at him. Yeah. That's so, so crazy. Yeah, and he, he didn't do nothing. The two Celestials drift helpless, or draft helpless planets onto the conflict, using them as the weapons of war. The fact that some of the worlds are inhabited by the sentient life cannot be considering or cannot be a consideration in this galaxy spanning contest. Like, come on, wow, this is huge. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, and it's just a diversionary tactic. It's just cosmic as all hell. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun, the fighting and stuff. Like, there's a the like he fights the celestials he fights so it's a chaos and order and he like destroys them yeah that scene where he's fighting chaos and order and his whole body is distorted and weird i love that yeah he that finally, so fun to draw it's amazing he finally kills um what is it mephisto or gets rid of him mm-hmm. incredible and then he's betrayed by death. I don't understand what happens to death. Like she just is pissed off at him or what? I think she's just sick and tired of his shit. But he doesn't do anything to her, did he? Does he? No. No, because he gets blasted right away. Mm-hmm. So it kind of distracts him. I think Lim's a pretty good artist. Like the scene where he's betrayed by death. He says, you two betray me. Like he looks so like depressed at that point oh yeah he's good he's a good superhero artist definitely and i think he turns it up a notch here i like the coloring too it really helps i want to color it yeah it's so bright right and yeah. usually like that kind of coloring is distracting but it works so well here it's max shield and ian laughlin mm-hmm. she did a max maxine i think is her name did a mm-hmm. ton of coloring for Marvel in the 80s and 90s. I think oh, she did the John Romita Jr. Daredevil issues. Oh, okay. I like the, oh, one of my favorite parts was the love and hate sequence. Oh, yeah. Where like, he was like, by the heavens, what am I doing? Oh, giving those brushes. Ex- I didn't really understand like the hate part. How is hate helping? Hate is just making it worse. Mm-hmm. 
yeah but, i think if he had love in his heart then maybe he would have changed yeah but i think it's, it's funny how like he's saying all these things that he already goes he's already taken over by hate i don't know if it's hate but probably greed but uh-huh. um, but it was it's it was fun like and then he takes over eternity like he becomes eternity yeah this is so huge right the eternity looks down on him he's got the whole universe inside his body and Thanos still looks like he's in charge when he attacks him Mm -hmm. and so just as a background for eternity he's a he or she or it is a character created by Ditko, right? Yeah, it's basically meant to be like the entire universe in the body of one creature. Ah, okay. And so, you know, by taking over eternity, he's essentially taking over the universe. Mm -hmm. Which is his downfall. Yeah. Right, and I think that's the thing that makes this this issue so extra interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's like his own, well, first he, he's, he's tortured Nebula, right? But he's kept her around because he's so arrogant. Mm-hmm. And then he just gets distracted by eternity. And she just grabs the infinity gauntlet from him. And all of a sudden the tables are turned. Yeah. So in terms of Nebula, I actually did not know what was going on with her. So apparently she was conscious it was just that her body was decayed yeah i guess that's what i got from that scene i had trouble keeping track of that too originally i thought she was just a a mindless dead zombie walking around Mm -hmm. but in reality she's conscious. he just didn't care to like fix her up or something and then she's just so angry and so full of need for revenge Mm-hmm. which you can totally understand like i understood thanos's motivation a little bit but i really get nebula's motivation for wanting the gauntlet because mm-hmm. you know she's turned from being the the one on the bottom to one the one on the top from having yeah. no command to command of everything yeah and actually i don't really see too much i mean she kills uh his girlfriend his made-up girlfriend his real doll yeah <laughs> that looks just like himself yeah is his perfect uh his perfect uh, girlfriend from canada so to speak oh a <laughs> <laughs> girlfriend from canada yeah um and uh and somehow she lets them transport um Thanos so they can talk to him and fight with him huh what do you think of them fighting with him after he's done so much to, after he's killed basically half the people in the world well what was interesting is there's a point where uh warlock tells Doctor Strange to bring back find all the people from across the world and I thought that some of them were dead like I thought um Dr. Doom was dead. I thought um, Thor was dead. But then apparently there are trans, like Thor probably goes to Asgard, so he can always come back. We saw them all. We saw them both killed last issue, didn't we? In that big fight in that issue. But I think maybe Dr. Strange retrieved Thor from Asgard. It makes sense. 
or from a minute before they were killed or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Could be that. But why these five people? Because they're the strongest in the Marvel Universe. I think he was just going through the list. This is what he said. He's, I was only able to locate these five before your return. So he's just going through his checklist and he only, he was up to five until when they returned. So they're oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. He only had these many he was able to get in time. Yeah. So they bring back Thor, Hulk, Doctor Doom. Um, sorry, I don't know who the guy who looks like the fire is. That's Fire Lord, who is another Herald of Galactus. Oh, yeah. Cool. And then one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, Drax. Drax. Who's so different in the comic than he is in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a character, another character created by Jim Starlin. Yeah. Yeah, Starlin's fingerprints are so totally all over this. Do you know who's going to play Warlock in the movie? I don't. I think it's that, uh, uh, that the, the pop star, like a singer. Oh, he's playing, um, he's playing Star Fox. Oh, okay, my bad. Okay. But anyways, <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> we, sorry about that. Um, but it's just kind of Harry Styles is who you're thinking of, yeah. Yeah, Harry Styles, yeah, yeah. We saw that at the end of Eternals. Mm. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. I'll check it out. Not worth checking out. <laughs> yeah, um, we we're doing a, a review of all the Marvel movies. I think we decided that was the second worst. Mm. Oh, interesting. It was boring as hell. But yeah, now they're now they're allies with Thanos. Mm -hmm. He sits there oh. so arrogantly in a chair, too. Yeah, and you asked me about uh actually you were asking like what I thought. So time and time again. So I've been I started reading Warlock by um by Jim Starlin. And there is a point where Thanos and Warlock were like comrades, which is they allude to it in this. In this section, in fact, somebody Doom accuses Warlock of like being uh, Thanos's right hand man or something. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I haven't gotten that far into it. But they actually seem like they're like war buddies. You know, they're like almost like Thanos was not as evil as people say he is. Like he was corrupted by the Infinity or, Gauntlet. I mean, he's just not a good guy or a bad guy, but just a guy who's corrupt. Yeah, exactly. Like. Well, I guess he's all, he's kind of derivative of uh, Dark Side. That's right. Yeah, and Dark Side's really not evil. Mm -hmm. It's just his nature to, to to be a terrible creature or whatever you want to call it, Dark Side, God. Yeah. He's but, just uh, he's just this being who's kind of almost beyond our comprehension who just does the things he's compelled to do. Yeah. And Thanos in the comics is now an eternal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think they retroactively made all the guys from Titan into Eternal. So um, I think Star Fox is also Cersei. Mm. Well, Cersei always was. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like, like when Warlock and Thanos are chatting, and, these, and Warlock is basically like, you've always sowed the seeds of your own destruction. Yeah, it was just a really interesting insight, right? 
Like what's, there's something in your own mind that causes you to always want to lose. Yeah. And it's the kind of insight that only a friend could really have. Not even a friend, but someone who knows you really, really well mm-hmm. could have. And I, I really like that confrontation between them because like, it does feel like, you know, you can bullshit everyone else, but you can't bullshit me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the self-destructive behavior. Stop lying to yourself. Yeah, I mean, he's very talented, but at the end of the day, he will just self, you know, he'll be his own worst enemy. Usually yeah. you talk about that good people who are like maybe addicts or something, but this is a bad evil person, thankfully. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, he's a bad person who's his own worst. So should we feel sympathy for him? Yeah, I know. For the guy who wiped out half the life in the universe, who's going to cause Earth to be to drift into a new ice age. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did not expect this, this part. So I'm, I think I know how it's going to turn. I read a little bit ahead for the next chapter, but I stopped because I want to be surprised. But I think this was really cool. It's been really, it was a really good turn, you know? I wasn't expecting that turn at all. And it kind of totally changed the way I read the book. Because mm-hmm. what seemed like pretty straightforward, like I was just expecting Thanos to destroy all the cosmic beings, and then somehow they come up with a desperate plan to defeat him, which may be what ends up happening with Nebula. But like it went a totally different direction than I expected. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been an interesting thing had they done it in the movie with Nebula, because Nebula does get treated poorly by him. Yeah, she gets tortured and everything. So it's interesting that like, uh, and she gets tortured here. And... You know, and it's also not gendered. Like, it's not that she's the woman wanting revenge or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just that she wants her revenge. And anyone could feel this, you know, need to, to have her revenge. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that too, you know, and she can handle all the same punishment Thanos can handle. And the way she's more creative, right? When she ties them all up in the rock at the end there. Yeah. And he, um, yeah, I don't, I think I was going to say something, but I think it, it reads a little bit too much into the next, next time. Okay. I can't wait to read the next issue now. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I just love this. I'm, bought this book a long time ago and i never read it and i'm glad that we're reading it thank you jim starlin has become one of your favorite writers that's awesome yeah with this and warlock and i mean i always liked him i mean he's done some amazing some of my favorite superhero books like uh cosmic odyssey i love um batman cult i really enjoy with bernie wrightson like he's Mm -hmm. he's great yeah i have to admit like I'd never liked him as much as I probably should. Because, mm. like, this is great comic storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's not the Hernandez brothers, but it doesn't try to be the uh-huh. Hernandez brothers, you know? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Next week, part six. All right. Thanks, Jason. Uh-huh.